Good afternoon, and welcome to Outer Cape News on WOMR. My name is Matthew Dunn. This is your update on what's... Good afternoon, and welcome to Outer Cape News on WOMR. My name is Matthew Dunn. This is your update on what's happening on the Lower and Outer Cape, drawing on stories reported in the pages of the Provincetown Independent, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. In this week's edition, we've got stories about town administration in Provincetown, Wellfleet, and Harwich, and property sales in Brewster and Provincetown. And Ira Wood is here with his Snarky Cynics review of 2023. Both the Provincetown Independent and the Cape Cod Chronicle published special editions this week in honor of the coming new year, each publication taking a different approach. While the Chronicle recapped the major events of the last 12 months in each of the four towns it covers, Chatham, Harwich, Brewster, and Orleans, the Independent took the long view by telling nearly a dozen different stories from the long history of the Outer Cape, going back to the first European settlement. Both of these fine publications, Years in Review, are well worth spending time with before the year turns, so do pick up a copy or check them out online. At the same time, things do have a way of still happening around here, so we've got a few more recent stories to cover today. The Provincetown Select Board approved a new three-year contract with town manager Alex Morse at its December 11th meeting. Morse has served as town manager of Provincetown since April of 2021. His new contract will continue until April 2027. The decision to renew Morse's contract comes after the select board evaluated his performance and recognized the town's many achievements under his leadership over the past three years. Select board chair David Abramson said that the board was unanimous in its decision to extend town manager Morse's contract. In partnership with the board and the town staff, Morse has been instrumental in making progress for the town of Provincetown, including advances in housing, sewer expansion, public safety, and public parks. Some of the biggest accomplishments during Morse's tenure so far include advancing the development of the former VFW site on Jerome Smith Road into affordable apartments, advancing the development of the site of the former police station on Shankpanner Road to year-round market rate rental housing, and strengthening short-term rental regulation and compliance efforts. Morse helped secure approval of a comprehensive town-wide sewer expansion plan to bring municipal sewer service to all properties in town by 2030. He shepherded the project for the construction of a new police station and implemented a successful transition from an all-volunteer fire department to a department with over 16 full-time firefighters, EMTs, and paramedics, despite the unexpected dissolution of Lower Cape Ambulance. Morse also hired the town's first DEI director to promote a more inclusive and welcoming environment for all staff, residents, and visitors. In response to the news of his renewed contract, Morse expressed his gratitude to the board for their confidence and to the town staff and all the members of the community for their help in tackling the biggest challenges faced by the town. He says he looks forward to continuing to work together to make progress for this remarkable community. 
News of Morse's accomplishments comes in some contrast to the news out of Wellfleet, where it seems to be one step forward and two steps back. Rich Waldo's resignation as town administrator marks the sixth time in 10 years that the town's top official has left office. Waldo submitted his resignation letter on December 20th, requesting a February 9th separation date. Waldo came to Wellfleet after serving as the director of public works in Provincetown. He has accepted a job as the director of public works in Orleans and is leaving after 18 months in his position in Wellfleet. In his resignation letter, Waldo said the next town administrator will need unwavering support from the select board or they will undoubtedly fail. Select board member Michael DeVasto called Waldo's departure unfortunate and said it was incumbent on the board to foster a positive work environment and to do a better job interacting with the town administrator and staff members. Wellfleet select board meetings have been far from positive in the recent past. They've been marred by disruptions, interruptions, and accusations against select board members and other town board and committee members. Recriminations have flowed freely in Wellfleet about affordable housing projects, the addition of new town positions, and the need for harbor dredging. At last week's meeting, Chairwoman Barbara Carboni read a statement about the differences between speech and conduct at public meetings. She said she will enforce the rules to prevent further disruption of meetings and to ensure orderly and peaceful public comment. The select board will meet an executive session on January 2nd. Deciding on Waldo's separation date and hiring a new town administrator will doubtlessly be on the agenda. Waldo hopes to start work in Orleans on March 4th. In Brewster, the old Sea Pines Inn on Route 6A has been sold to Ocean Edge Resort for $2.6 million. The property has a large main building, several cottages, and a sizable wedding garden. Chuck Carey, who represented sellers Stephen and Michelle Rowan, said that a purchase and sale agreement was made in April, but the owners wanted to finish out the 2023 season. The Rowans bought the property in 1977. Originally built in 1850, the main building is quite large at over 8,000 square feet. The property was once the Sea Pine School for Young Women and continued as a school until the 1970s. Between the main building and cottages, the inn offers 24 rooms and suites, many with their own fireplaces, on more than three and a half acres. The Ocean Edge Resort is located about one mile from the old Sea Pines Inn on Main Street in Brewster. Ocean Edge is a 429-acre property featuring a golf course, restaurant, private beach, historic mansion, and private villas. The property that most recently housed the Provincetown coffee shop Wired Puppy is for sale for the first time in 27 years. The 1,500-square-foot year-round condo is part of the mixed-use Waterfront Bullring Condo Association and went up for sale earlier this summer. After nearly two decades as a beloved coffee shop and gathering place, Wired Puppy's last day of business was November 26th. A statement posted on the Wired Puppy website said that changes in the economic landscape and the unique challenges of operating a business in this seasonal community led to the difficult decision to shutter the business. 
The Wired Puppy first opened in 2005 as a European-style specialty tea and coffee shop owned by David Mazzucci and Donna Valancourt. In 2017, Wired Puppy was sold to Revelator Coffee, a coffee roaster now headquartered in New Orleans. Wired Puppy's Boston location on Newbury Street closed in 2019 after 10 years in business at that location. This month marked the 50th anniversary of the Free Shop at the Church of the Holy Spirit in Orleans, and the anniversary was celebrated with a fashion show and lunch held at the church. The Episcopal Church opened the Free Shop in 1973 when parish members made the bold decision to reject the traditional model of a retail thrift shop in favor of an open exchange where people could come in and just take what they need. Clothing and shoes for men, women, and children, and household goods like linens and kitchenwares are donated by community members, and the quality of merchandise is said to have always been high. Since its founding, the shop in the parish hall basement has been open to the public every Monday and Wednesday, and anyone can come in and find what they need. These days, parishioners Sharon Lawton and Susie Gray manage the free shop with the help of about 20 volunteers. The fashion show marking the 50th anniversary of the free shop was the first of its kind held by the church, but the Reverend Patrick Ward, rector of the church, said that there's already been talk of bringing it back again next year. He said the show was a way of getting the word out about the shop, which has never struggled to bring in clothing and goods for those who might need them. He said that donations are so consistent that the shop continues to provide for those in need, even as the demand continues to rise. You can find out more about the free shop and other community events at the Church of the Holy Spirit at holyspiritorleans.org. With New Year's Eve nearly upon us and hibernation season on the Outer Cape right around the corner, it's a perfect time to take in a movie or two, and the local libraries are here to help. Both the Provincetown Library and the Snow Library in Orleans offer free movies on Wednesdays throughout the month of January. Screenings at Snow Library start at 2.30 p.m. with Barbie on January 3rd and Oppenheimer on January 10th. The shows start at 5.30 p.m. in Provincetown with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on January 3rd and An Unmarried Woman from 1978 on January 10th. You can see complete schedules at provincetownlibrary.org and snowlibrary.org. Not to be outdone, there are also great things happening at the Truro, Wellfleet, and East Ham libraries to keep you active and engaged throughout the off-season, including musical performances, craft circles, art exhibits, children's activities, and, of course, readings and book groups. And almost all of it is free. So check out your local library in the new year. For Outer Cape News, this is Beth Dunn. While the controversy with the Board of Registrars and the special town meeting have been well documented, there is yet more trouble for the town of Truro. A former Truro police officer's claim of gender and sexual orientation discrimination against the town and a former police chief has been upheld by the state appeals court. 
The former police officer's claim about paperwork written about her on-the-job performance was also upheld. On December 7th, the appeals court vacated a decision by the Barnstable Superior Court in a case brought by former Truro Police Sergeant Kerry D'Angelo against the town and former police chief Kyle Takajan. The case was remanded back to Superior Court. D'Angelo filed a lawsuit in 2018 in Barnstable Superior Court that contained three counts. One was about a report she believed should have been in her personnel file. The two other counts alleged gender and sexual orientation discrimination on the part of the town and Takajan. Superior Court Judge Thomas Perino dismissed all charges in 2018, after which D'Angelo appealed the decision. The report in question was written following an internal affairs investigation regarding D'Angelo in 2016. As part of the lawsuit, D'Angelo is seeking a copy of that report. In D'Angelo's original complaint, she also claimed she was treated differently and was under more scrutiny than male officers, that her authority was disrespected by those under her command, and that she was subject to behavior that was demeaning and negative, among other issues. The defendants claimed D'Angelo was not discriminated against and was not subject to any different treatment than the other police officers in the department. The Truro Police Department is currently led by Chief Jamie Calise. Takajan retired from the police department in 2017. D'Angelo left the Truro Police Department in 2016. She's employed at another police department on the Cape. The town may appeal to the Supreme Judicial Court for further judicial review. If the state Supreme Court chooses not to hear the case, it would be remanded back to Barnstable Superior Court. With that bit of headline news behind us, let's take a look at the Chronicle's year in review for its coverage areas, starting with Orleans. After more than 25 years of consistency in the town manager's office, John Kelly's retirement at the end of 2022 led to the hiring of new town manager Kim Newman in 2023. Newman came to Orleans after nine years as town administrator in Menden, Mass. It's been a busy first few months on the job for Newman, who has overseen the hire of a new recreation director, assistant town manager, building commissioner, and most recently, public works director. She's also in the process of hiring for a new finance director. Orleans finally started its sewering operations this spring with the opening of its new wastewater treatment facility on Overland Way. The project also included construction of the collection system and three pumping stations. With the new facility online, 1,100 downtown residents and businesses have until March to connect to the town sewer. After a setback in 2022, the Orleans Select Board passed a rental registration bylaw at the annual town meeting in May. The new bylaw, which requires all owners of year-round and seasonal rentals to register their properties with the town, goes into effect in January. Property owners can register their rentals online at no cost. They'll be required to specify how many bedrooms are in their rental, as well as the number of working smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. 
Eight new firefighters are poised to join the Orleans Fire Department after voters at the special town meeting in October supported a Proposition 2.5 override to create the positions. The move was given final approval by voters at special town election on November 7th. With the new positions, the fire department can fully staff two fire apparatus for simultaneous deployment and leave some personnel behind to respond to additional calls. Three town meeting votes and years of legal wrangling went into making Orleans' first adult-use recreational marijuana shop a reality on December 14th, as Seaside Cannabis Company made its first official sale during an invitation-only gathering at the Lots Hollow Road store. A proposed ban on the sale of recreational marijuana failed town meeting in 2018, but a citizen's petition article in support of a ban passed the following year. A third and final vote to overturn the ban at town meeting in October of 2020 passed, setting the stage for recreational marijuana sales to come to Orleans. A second business, Ember Gardens, has a plan to open a facility at 41 Route 6A. And no year-end recap would be complete without checking in on housing. Two developments long in the planning remain on the precipice of breaking ground. Housing Assistance Corp. is working to develop 107 Main Street into 14 units of affordable housing. On West Road, Penrose is developing the former Cape Cod 5 headquarters property into 62 units, 52 of which will be affordable. Hack and Penrose both hope to break ground on their projects by this fall, but funding gaps needed to be closed before shovels could go into the ground. Select Board Chair Michael Herman said that both projects could begin construction in early 24. Progress was also made this year on plans to redevelop the site of the former Governor Prince Inn into affordable and workforce housing. Hack and Penrose have each submitted proposals to develop the property. A committee has begun meeting to review the bids, and a contract could be awarded for the project in February. Truro and Wellfleet weren't the only local towns with tumultuous years in local government. It was another year of revolving doors at Town Hall in Harwich, as the town lost several department heads to retirement, jobs in other towns, and performance issues. The town lost Director of Planning and Community Development Paul Halkiotis at the end of June. Halkiotis was hired last December and served for six months before abruptly announcing his retirement in June. That position was filled with the hiring of Christine Flynn in November. A few weeks before Halkiotis' departure, Health Department Director Katie O'Neill resigned to take a position in the Barnstable County Health Department. Longtime Natural Resources Director Heinz Proft retired in July. And in August, Treasurer Tax Collector Betty Clark McClay was terminated at the end of her six-month probationary period. In February, Finance Director Anne-Marie Ellis, who was in the job for only seven months, left to take the town accountant job in Yarmouth. Kathleen Barrett, a town accountant in the town of Sandwich, was hired to fill that position in late April.
There has been no treasurer tax collector since McClay left in August. On the committee side, tensions began to escalate in Harwich in mid-January when, during an affordable housing trust meeting, town administrator Joseph Powers, chair of the trust, and member Judith Underwood went at each other. The disagreement resulted in gavel banging and a loud back and forth that led to an abrupt termination of the meeting. Powers later apologized for his action in the session. It was a tough year for the Affordable Housing Trust. There was a call for change in the committee's membership, which led to the replacement of the select board's representative to the trust, Donald Howell. He initially refused to step down, but capitulated after a motion was made to remove him from the trust. Selectman Larry Ballantyne was appointed as the board's representative to the trust. In May, Underwood stepped down from the trust, writing a scathing resignation letter critical of the select board in the process. The abrupt resignation of select board chair Mary Anderson in mid-October drew prolonged debate over whether a special election should be called to fill the vacancy. In the absence of the board calling for a special election, a petition was circulated compelling the board to call the special election. The board this week called the election for April 9th. Things were much calmer in Brewster this year. After a rough patch a few years ago, town finances are in good shape, and two town committees continue to plan for the future of the Cape Cod Sea Camps property. The Bay property and Long Pond parcels would both house affordable housing and multiple recreation and conservation opportunities if plans devised by consultants come to fruition. One of Brewster's largest properties is for sale as 2024 looms. Stephen Brown is selling the 15-acre parcel that houses the Great Cape Herb Shop, along with the original Snowy Owl Coffee Shop and the Fair and Just Kitchen. The asking price is $4 million. And Brewster voters also transferred the custody of Wing Island from the select board to the Conservation Commission, That was after a special town meeting in March ended any further town expenditures on the proposed Wing Island boardwalk. The project proved controversial, as residents felt it would lead to too much traffic on the beach, mar the marsh, and adversely affect the migrating and nesting bird populations on Wing Island. For Outer Cape News, my name is Matthew Dunn. As we say a final goodbye to the passing year, I think it's well to take a second look at the news stories we may have taken for granted in the course of our hectic lives. What were their implications? How did they affect us on the Outer Cape? The first is artificial intelligence, a subject that seemed to turn up every day. But what does it mean out here? Personally, I've come to associate artificial intelligence with my beloved Wellfleet, the 260-year-old village that seems to have forgotten how to govern itself. For years now, we've been hearing about mislabeled accounts, missing money, and failed 
audits. Given all that, we recently saw fit to turn down a grant of four and a half million dollars because, according to the newspapers, we don't want the federal government to have influence within our town borders. Although I expected the next headline to announce our secession from the union, it was actually worse. We seem to have lost yet another town administrator, the sixth in ten years. Do I think our town's intelligence is totally artificial? No, but we certainly give fresh meaning to the term collective stupidity. Also in the news this year was funding for the new Cape Cod bridges. While any improvement to our infrastructure that's safer and more efficient is to be commended, I have to ask if a speedy trip over a brand new bridge is worth it if it only dumps you onto the same old gridlocked highway. According to scientists, Cape Cod has become one of the largest. White shark hotspots in the world, as sightings surged to a record high this past summer. Ironically, so did tourism, according to the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce, which proves to me that tourists come to Cape Cod to experience a lot more than ocean swimming. There's also traffic, crowds, rain, humidity, long lines, mosquitoes, and outrageous prices. You can't have missed that Cape Cod is now in the hardiness zone 7A, a climate shared by parts of Georgia and South Carolina. While this means we may conceivably be able to grow cotton and rice, it also means that my garden, which I usually get to turn under and forget about at Halloween, will keep on producing until New Year's. Thanks, climate change. The embarrassing collapse of the once mighty New England Patriots was a sad fact for the entire region. I visited Patriots Place some years ago when it was a thriving commercial juggernaut. Restaurants, bars, offices, galleries. Now it's a convenient place to find a restroom off of Route 495. My wife made a list of. All the other things there are to do on a Sunday besides drinking beer, wearing your pajamas, and watching football. Naturally, I'm thrilled. You can't do a year-end review without mention of former President Donald Trump. It's not the four indictments that caught my attention, or even his being booked in Atlanta. But that he's marketing his mugshot on coffee cups and T-shirts and posters, along with swatches of the blue suit and red tie he wore in the photo, it would frankly not surprise me if his admirers lined up to purchase small canisters of his excrement, of which there would be a continuously sustainable supply. And finally, in the news, every single day is a purported end of inflation. If you're buying eggs, gas, airline tickets, and smartphones, you might believe that the end of inflation is the case. 
But the leading economic indicator in my house is takeout pizza. And at 20 bucks plus tax for plain cheese, another $3 per topping and a 15% tip for the person at the counter who rings up my order, as far as I'm concerned, the economy still has a long way to go. So, I'm Ira Wood, and those are my opinions, and here's wishing all of our listeners the very, very best in the year to come. And that does it for this year in Outer Cape News. Thanks go to the Provincetown Independent, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. Thanks also to Beth Dunn and Ira Wood for their contributions to the program. And thanks to Jacob Greenberg and Henry and Jane Fisher for being sustaining members of Outer Cape News. And now stay tuned for Friday Afternoon Jazz. It's Lush Life with Scott Penn here on listener-supported community radio, WOMR. Young man, I'm a 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 young